So USC improved to 6-0 overall, 4-0 in conference, and yet they fell in the polls. In other news, playing with essentially without two starters for the entire game, the Trojans' defense was shut out. It wasn't all that bad. We're going to talk about it next on Locked On USC. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I am your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day, whether you are watching on YouTube or wherever you download your podcast, we are free. And again, thanks a lot for coming along for the ride. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that red subscribe button. It really means a lot to me, to the show, to everyone involved. <clears throat> and you can always follow me on Twitter, on my Twitter at Mark Culkin. And again, wherever you uh, wherever, wherever you like to listen to your podcast, download us. We're free. Any platform. Okay, so USC is six and zero for the let's see for the first time since. Let me put it this way: USC is six and zero under their uh, their a first year head coach at USC for the first time since 1951, when Jess Hill was their football coach. Um, they're also 2-0 during this time. Now, to kind of let everyone know, that team in 1951, they finished the season 7-3. and So hopefully Lincoln Riley's Trojans, uh, they don't suffer that same fate down the stretch. The way they're playing, I don't think they will. They do have a tough game coming up this weekend in Salt Lake City. But USC won over the weekend against Washington State, a really good team, a team that Lincoln Riley considers a top 25 team. They beat them 30-14. to 14. It wasn't pretty, at least offensively, and they got the win, and that's all that matters. So we're going to talk about, like we do every week, every Monday, we're going to talk about each side of the ball. Um, and then on Tuesdays, I'll come back after a little bit of doing more review, and I'll give you my grades for each of the position groups. Um, Today, just a general overview like we like to do. I give you my opinions on what I saw, what I liked, what I didn't like, and just to kind of uh, go over the game, get it out of our, so at least start the, the venting of getting it out of our system so we can move forward, right? All right, so um, it's not that the offense looked bad. It, it didn't. Uh, but it wasn't great either. I mean, let, let's just be honest about it. Um, the wide receivers were dropping passes. Not a bunch of them, but enough to to help Caleb Williams' numbers look, I don't know, we'll call it pedestrian. Um, Taj Washington, you know, he dropped one at the goal line. Fortunately, you know, that play got nullified, or at least he got bailed out, so to speak, um, when Wa Washington State lined up offside. Mario Williams dropped a huge uh, pass over the middle that would have gone for big yardage, possibly a, a touchdown because he was that wide open. And Mario Williams in open space, uh, the band is getting warmed up. So uh, 
he did come back and had a really nice sliding catch for a touchdown in the end zone later in the game. But overall, uh, I thought the wide receivers were just bleh. Uh, I don't know. I It's hard. I, maybe I'm, I'm being critical today. Again, I will come back with grades tomorrow after doing a little more review. But overall, you know, the six wide receivers, including Lake McCree from the tight end, got involved. Uh, they they split 15 passes amongst those uh, amongst themselves. Now, some of that lack of production at wide receiver had to do, at least in my opinion, with the way the game was being officiated. Pac-12 refs were Pac-12 and all over themselves. They got involved when they shouldn't have, uh, making the making the game last a lot longer than it should have. You know, to drop passes were one thing um, on both sides both teams. Um, but when you have the officials extending the game with instant replays and reviews and can't figure out what's going on, uh, yeah, it made the game seem incredibly long. Uh, let's see here. So, yeah, the officiating got in the way. Other times, you know, they were their own worst enemy. Uh, believe it or not, USC, it seemed like it, it was more, but they were only penalized five times for 50 yards. A couple of those were deserved. Um, so, again, the wide receivers were dropping balls. Caleb didn't really look himself, or he didn't look comfortable back there. We'll give credit to Washington, Washington State's defense for that. Um, but there, there, I'll just get to Caleb Williams right now. There was a couple of times where, at least in the first half, um, where he would, you know, he was scrambling, trying to extend the play, running towards the sideline. Instead of throwing the ball away out of bounds, he was outside the box. He would run out of bounds and take the sack. And I'm thinking to myself, why? You know, why are you doing this? Uh, I don't think it was intentional to, to save his passing numbers. But, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, maybe in the back of his mind, he's he's saying, hey, you know, let's just eat this one, save it for another, save it for another, another day. But when you're saving it for another day, you're putting yourself further behind the sticks, like six, seven, eight yards. And I get it. You think you can make it something happen at any time. You are Caleb Williams. You, you've shown that you will make a play more often than not. Nevertheless, uh, you were 15 for 29. That's 52% completion percentage. Uh, only 180 yards through the air. You did have the two touchdown passes. Both were to Mario Williams. Um Something else, though, is, you know, this is the second time where Caleb had a, we'll call it a subpar performance throwing the ball, and uh, he didn't talk to the media after the game. This happened again. This happened against Oregon State as well. So this is something we'll keep an eye on, uh, especially if he doesn't talk after practice or during practice this week, after Tuesday or Wednesday's practice, because that also happened following the Oregon State game. Again, just something to keep an eye on. I'm not saying anything, just uh, kind of raising an eyebrow. But you know what else um, Caleb hasn't done yet? He's only thrown one interception so far halfway through the season. So for everything that I might be nitpicking, he is still one of the main reasons why USC's offense is as efficient and as effective as they, they are. 
because of his athleticism and his ability to escape. Uh, and that's also because, um, you know, the O-line, they actually played really well. Justin Dietrich, uh, he was back starting after missing last week's game. But this this group is actually kind of being held together with uh, MacGyver's toolbox. If you know if you don't know who MacGyver is, do a Google search. Uh, he can take a rubber band and a paperclip and make he'll, he'll make James Bond look like junior varsity. Um, anyways, so Justin Dietrich played the entire game. Amazing. Just shows how tough he is. Uh, Bobby Haskins also played the entire game at left tackle. Second game in a row. And to my understanding, uh, Cortland Ford was ready to go. Uh, Mason Murphy did have to sub in for a couple of plays. So... Again, interesting to note. We'll 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 follow that story to see if uh, uh, what's going on with the left tackle position. Because at this point now, it, it seems like it's uh, Bobby Haskins. It's he is the starter. That's two games in a row where he played, and we know. Again, I know through sources that uh, Cortland was ready to go this week. Maybe not one hundred percent, but 90, 90 plus percent, and that puts him at the same. Uh, same percentage level as the rest of that offensive line. Jonah Monheim is probably the healthiest, and I just don't even know what his bumps and boo-boos are. I know what the other ones are. All right. Uh, running backs, man, Travis Dye, he has proven to me that he is just one tough, tough son of a gun. I want to use another word, but this is a family show. Uh, he ran the ball 28 times, 149 yards, one touchdown, should have had another. He probably could have had 200 yards had the play calling been uh, more dedicated to the run game. I don't know. It just seems like they got away from it more than they should have. Um, again, let's also give credit to this offense through six games. You know, I mentioned Caleb Williams has only thrown one interception. The offense as a whole has only turned it over once. They haven't even fumbled it yet. It's amazing halfway through the season to make that kind of to make to, to have that kind of stat back up how a, you know how well you're playing and how disciplined you are. I'm knocking on wood to make sure I don't jinx them as they head to Salt Lake City this weekend. All right. So again, you have to give some credit to uh to the Wazoo defense for for making USC's offense look as um, ineffective as they as they did. On Saturday, uh, you know they stopped their USC's short yardage streak, uh, that conversion streak that Eric McKinney wrote about on WeRSC.com. Go check it out. You might find a really cool special VIP subscription special going on this week. Go check it out. Um, the Cougars' defense—they you know, are coming into that game. They were good with generating tackles for losses and sacks. Um, so, again, that was part of the reason why they were able to stop some of that short yardage stuff that USC was so successful with. Um, USC was able to stop themselves on one play. I, I still can't figure this out. Um, still, I, literally, I was in the press box, scratching my head, cursing under my breath. It was a third and one, second quarter, less than one yard, and they call a jet sweep with Jordan Addison. It ended up losing seven yards, and I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, why? Why would you do this? You're on. You're not even on the plus side of the fifty when you're doing this. It just made no sense. Anywho, don't do that again. 
you're still a, a, a genius, Lincoln Riley. I just didn't understand that play call. All right, so another reason why I think uh, USC's offense uh, didn't play as well as they could have, um, they didn't take advantage of the penalties that Wazoo was called for. As a team, um, they were called for 11 over 100 yards. Most of those were on their defense. And uh, they were held to three touchdowns for the game, 21 points. They scored 30. I mean, you had three field goals from uh, Dennis Lynch, which was great. But uh, you needed uh, you needed every one of those points because the defense, they didn't get their takeaways. But they did shut out the Cougars in the uh, second half, 13 to nothing. We're going to talk about USC's defense in the next segment. But before that, um, we're going to talk about Simply Safe because the numbers don't lie. Just like USC's defensive numbers don't lie, neither do these numbers. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right because at Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know this because I know people who use Simply Safe. They protect you with cutting-edge security technology powered by 24-7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back, and here's why they love it. You get 24-7 professional monitoring. Simply Safe's agents will call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. You get HD security cameras for inside and outside your home, smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a real threat is real, and even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. As well as their monitoring experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. So customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com forward slash locked on college. You can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. So visit simplysafe.com forward slash locked on college to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Yeah, those numbers don't lie. And again, the USC, their defense, those numbers aren't lying. They are getting the job done. So they not only are getting the job done, they did it without Shane Lee, who didn't play the entire game. Team captain, starting weak side linebacker. They did it without Kalen Bullock for essentially the entire game. He got ejected uh, minutes into the second quarter after he uh, attempted to Kevin Ellison, the uh, Washington State Cougars wide receiver, Robert Farrell. He, I mean, Kalen laid him out. It was borderline. Um, you know, obviously, cardinal gold glasses, you don't call it. You don't think it should be called, but... Uh, I think it was the the violent action of the the wide receiver. His head, I mean, snapped back, and then he was laying on the ground there, um, prone for 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 about a second. Not quite the Tua Tagovailoa uh, laying prone, you know, 
looking like that, but <clears throat> he did get up, walked off under his own power, but he, yeah, he was the nail. <laughs> and Kalen was definitely the hammer on that play. Um, so Shane Lee had that soft left, soft cast on his left wrist. Uh, obviously, he wasn't able to go, even though uh, Lincoln Riley alluded to thinking uh, that he would be fully available. Again, I mentioned Kalen Bullock two minutes into the second quarter. He was gonzo. And at halftime, you know, USC barely led. They were only up 17 14. Um, so you had the injuries, you had between the injuries uh, on USC's defense, between the ejections, as well as USC's offense uh, that wasn't helping out as much as they could. Um, it almost it almost wasted the defense's second half shutout. You know, I mentioned that coming into the segment here. They shut out Washington State, which is a pretty good offense on their own, 13-0. It, you know, <laughs> it was necessary um, because Washington State shut out USC. Um, they shut out USC's defense from getting a takeaway. So credit to Washington State. They protected the ball uh, more than they have in the past. So since USC's defense wasn't able to generate a, uh, a takeaway, you know, an interception or a touchdown, what they were able to do, I'm trying to get a less glare here, is um, take away the middle of the field. And without the takeaways, they severely limited uh, Washington State's passing game. And part of that, I think, um, you have to chalk that up to the pressure that USC's defensive line created. Five more sacks, two from Nick Figueroa, three from Tuli Tuiapolotu. Uh, those three sacks by Tuli now gives him seven for the season. So he's, about, he's averaging one per game. I like those numbers. I like that trend. <laughs> Let's give him a baker's dozen by the end of the regular season, right? Uh, he also had three tackle for losses in the first quarter. Um, that, you know, the, because of that pressure that they were generating, the tackle for losses, the sacks, um, combined with the way the secondary was playing, uh, that that was forcing Washington State's quarterback Cameron Ward, who has shown that when he's under pressure, he will throw interceptions. Well, he was holding on to the ball for a long time. I mean, as as long as he could. So what he what where he was different from Caleb? Yeah, he got sacked five times, but he didn't take any sacks running out of bounds. He got sacked because USC's defense was just swarming. And because the secondary was doing so well with their coverage, Ward held on to the ball longer. Now, it didn't create, you know, so why USC didn't create any interceptions or fumbles. Um, they did limit Washington State's um, passing offense uh, to only 172 yards, well below their average. They were, they were close to, I think, 280, 300 per game. So again, credit USC's defense. Uh, they are consistent. They've been consistently strong against the pass all season. This isn't like a fluke. Um, 
all year, uh, and they're, they've been what? 14th in efficiency against the pass, third in the nation in sacks. They bet they might have moved up after adding five more. And we know they're first in the, in the country in takeaways. They have 12 interceptions. That's a really good defense. Um, so even they didn't get the takeaways, following the game, Makai Blackman, uh, the, trans, the transfer from Colorado, uh, he was disappointed and that they didn't get any interceptions, any takeaways. He said they, after the game, he said they talk about it on the sidelines between uh, between, between each defensive uh, series. So, yeah, they're, they're aware of it, and they are, they are trained to go get the ball. Um, so where they, he wasn't able to get an interception, he was second on the team with uh, seven tackles. Good job. Shane Lee's uh, replacement, Raylan Goforth, you know, he, he gets a lot of shade thrown at him. Well, he led the team with eight tackles. He played a fantastic game. The linebackers, um, because the defensive line was getting so much pressure, they didn't have to do as much. But, you know, every time I looked around, uh, Suavisi Nomura's hair was flying everywhere. He had a couple of tackles. Uh, he also plays on special teams, so maybe that's why it seemed like he was everywhere. Eric Gentry, uh, he was third on the team. He had five tackles. Again, uh, defense solid all the way around. Look, to say that Alex Grinch's um, defense has not met my expectations, my expectations, that would be a gross understatement. I mean, USC is 6-0. and because they're keeping teams from scoring less than 20 points per game. Remember, I said at the beginning of the season, they just needed to be serviceable because this team is going to score a lot of points. So it turns out this team, even if they don't score a lot of points, this defense is better than serviceable. Um, so maybe they don't need to win by shootout every game. Uh, they haven't. The defense is... You can say this: the defense is is closing it out. They're doing a really, really good job, and you know what? I have to admit it. I'm wrong. It's the second time I've been wrong so far this year. Crazy, doesn't happen very often. But um, I didn't think his defense, Grinch's defense, would be good this quickly. Um, you know, you bring in so many new players, you're, you're trying to change the culture. And the fact of the matter is that, uh, <laughs> you know, Riley, he, he brought in Grinch. He didn't have to, he, he got brought in a, a much bigger name, but he stuck with it. He showed some loyalty and look, this is what you get. Um, he's getting paid back. Hopefully, uh, the second half of the season, the return, um, the return on his his investment with the defense will continue to pay off. And real quick, before we uh, check out the uh, where what happened to USC in the in the AP poll, I'm, I haven't forgot about special teams. Um, they were a lot better. Kickoffs. It looks like they were intended to be short because um, they all either just went to the goal line or were short. And kickoff coverage was 
outstanding, fantastic. They, I don't think Wazoo ever got to the 25-yard line. It got to a point where they just started fair catching the ball. And even when they tried that at the four-yard line one time, they muffed it. And even though they recovered the ball, because they dropped the fair catch, that's where you take over. So, uh, Aiden Sleep Dalton, the punter, he dropped another perfect ball. Uh, team downed it down, I think, somewhere around the three, four-yard line. Dennis Lynch, perfect field goal, three for three, as well as three for three PAT. So, special teams, much, much better. Uh, we saw Michael Jackson, the third, uh, taken over with punt return. I think part of that was due to Jordan Addison. He he got a little dinged up at some point during the game, and they were trying to protect him. Uh, you can bet you'll be seeing uh, this defense continue to improve. Hopefully, the special teams will continue to improve, and you can bet they have to because uh, they're heading into their game against Utah this weekend as a three three and a half point underdog on the road. So head on over to uh, Bet Online because BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your football betting information this season. You're going to find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, Go Dodgers, playoffs start Tuesday for you guys, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head on over to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, we only got a few minutes before we have to get out of here. These 30 minutes go by so quickly, especially on a Monday when we're uh, we're talking about reviewing the game, telling you my feelings, what I saw. Remember, give me some feedback. Tell me what you saw. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Give me some comments. Give me some feedback. I'll answer your questions uh, this week. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about this. USC dropped in the AP poll after what I would say was a pretty good win at home against a pretty good Washington State team. They dropped from number six to number seven. Uh, Tennessee jumped two spots from number eight. They got the number six spot. So here is your top 10, and I will go over the top 25, but here's your top 10. And if the East Coast SC bias, it's really starting to show itself. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Ohio State. Alabama dropped to number three. They struggled at home with Texas A&M. So they dropped two spots as well. Georgia reclaimed number one. Clemson, number four, jumped Michigan, who drops to five. Tennessee, I mentioned at six. USC, number seven. Oklahoma State, number eight. Oklahoma is nowhere to be found after they got their butt kicked by Texas. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian. There you go. Number nine, Ole Miss. Number 10, Penn State. So that's your top 10 right there. Okay. Um, quick appearance. It seems like the writers are rewarding uh, games or giving benefit of the doubt. Tennessee went into LSU, beat Brian Kelly's teams handedly. Look, playing down in, in Death Valley, LSU, it's no easy feat. Great. Okay. 
but LSU isn't really good this year. So let's not give Tennessee that much benefit of the doubt. We'll find out what Tennessee is all about this weekend. We'll get to that here in a second. The rest of your top 20, top 25, UCLA number 11, Oregon number 12. Those two teams will play each other in one week. They both have a bye week <clears throat> coming up. TCU 13, Wake Forest 14, NC State 15, Mississippi State 16, Kansas State 17, Syracuse 18, Kansas 19 had a tough loss at home to TCU. Number 20, Utah. Yeah, that loss at the Rose Bowl to UCLA, that drops them down from 11 to 20. They're probably going to be pretty angry this weekend. Number 21, Cincinnati. There's a tie at 22 with Steve Sarkeesian's Texas Longhorns and the Kentucky Wildcats. Number 24, Illinois. And number 25, James Madison. Get to that there here in just a second. So things are going to start shaking themselves out here as we are getting into October. This weekend, you have number six, Tennessee, at number three, Alabama. We'll see how good Tennessee is. Are they for real? They've got some good wins. They look, they're winning on the road. They look much, much improved. Um, their, their quarterback, Hooker, is having a fantastic season. We're going to see what they can do in Tuscaloosa. It's been a while since they beat the Tide. Number 10, Penn State. They are at number five, Michigan. Clemson jumped Michigan. We'll see, uh, we'll see how upset uh, Jim Harbaugh's Wolverines are. Number four, Clemson. Are they on upset alert? Because they are at Tallahassee. They will play at Florida State this weekend. I mentioned USC. They're opening up as a three-and-a-half-point dog going up against number 20, Utah. Are they on upset alert? Maybe Utah just isn't that good. We know they play better at home. They've lost both their games on the road. They lost at UCLA. Um, and uh, they didn't really look that good. I mentioned UCLA and Oregon, 11 and 12, respectively. They have this week off, and then they'll play the Chip Kelly Bowl in Eugene next, the following week. And number 25, James Madison will be at Georgia Southern, who is uh, licking their wounds after losing at Georgia State, 33 to 41. Can Clay Hilton bounce back? and knock up a top 25 team. We'll see what happens. I'm out of time. I'm giving grades tomorrow. Thanks for making Locked On USC your first listen. When you're done here, don't forget about the Locked On Pac-12 network, the Locked On Big Ten network, and again, head on over to wersc.com. You're going to get a lot of content over there. We're loading you up. Eric McKinney, Scott Trader's got a ton of recruiting information for you i might drop some for you as well this week and chris arledge has amusings that is just going to uh make you laugh so until then everyone trojan family you know what to do